you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family i really credit you with doing something that i literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things it was because of you so thank you for helping heal what i thought was unhealable you're listening to the mastermind parenting podcast with randy rubenstein episode number 4 So the big question is this, how do parents like us know that we aren't messing up the biggest role of our lives, especially when we happen to have a strong-willed child that's constantly pushing our buttons? We've all heard that kids don't come with a manual, so how can we know for sure that we're saying the right things or that we're getting this parenting thing right? Well, on this podcast for parents of toddlers to teens, we'll be giving you real tools you can use right away so that your kids will feel like they can talk to you about absolutely anything and everything. My name is Randy Rubenstein and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast, where we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. Well, hi guys. Welcome to episode number four. And in today's episode, I want to talk to you about the most powerful thing you can do to help your kid through a hard moment. And it's a really big deal when you master the skill of walking in their shoes. And this is what we're going to cover in today's conversation to help you improve the conversations in your home. So in the last episode, I talked about strong-willed kiddos and how they often have sensitive nervous systems. And in this episode, we're going to discuss the specifics of perspective taking and what it means and how it doesn't come naturally to kids under the age of 12 and especially to people with sensitive nervous systems and what you can do to effectively teach it. So I like to call perspective taking walking in your child's shoes. Perspective taking is a term that represents a a really powerful form of empathy. But what I find is that people hear the term empathy a lot, but they're just not sure how to show up empathetically in real life. Like, what does it really look like? So I'm all about making empathy tangible so that you have real takeaways that will help you to improve the conversations. So when you imagine walking in someone else's shoes... And then talking about whatever the situation is from that place. It's a super connecting conversation that's going to result from that. Literally, it is like magic. And when you master how to do it, your child will instantly feel like they want to engage in a conversation with you versus what most of us are used to, especially those of us who are used to jumping into fix-it mode, myself included, where they shut down and they get to get defensive. And it's the opposite of that. So the reason it's the opposite is because 
they feel seen and valued when you communicate that you really get what it feels like to walk in their shoes. And it's, it's what I find myself repeating this thing that I heard Oprah say one time on an interview. And what she said was, in the 25 years of doing her show and everybody that she interviewed, all those interviews, except for, she said, except for the sociopaths, she said, every single person wants to know, do you see me? Do I matter? So when we communicate from a place that we really understand whatever the situation is, because we're explaining it like we're walking in their shoes, it makes our kids feel like we see them and they matter. It's, it's, it's magic, you guys. So... People with sensitive nervous systems are often in defense mode. So these are our strong-willed kiddos, okay? They're used to being in defense mode. They're used to being misunderstood. And they're basically just in survival mode until we start changing the conversation and we pull them out of this survival mode. That's when they the real learning starts to take place. So when you're in survival mode, and for us included, like, when something triggers us, it's real hard to see other people's perspectives. So when you're in that parent gap, right, like when you're having one of those button-pushing, triggering moments, just so y'all know, you're not going to be able to see your kid's perspective in those moments. It's going to be after the fact when you come back and you reflect and you're ready to revisit the conversation and make up for whatever the incident was that triggered you and, and get back on the same page. That's when you really want to employ this skill um, because, you know, they're just trying to make it through the day. When you're living in defense mode, you or you're having a triggered moment, you are just trying to survive and make it through the day. So as the adult in the family, like with the fully, you know, developed brain and all, it's really crucial for us to model the behavior that we want to teach our kids. And this sounds so simple, but when we're in the gap and when we find ourselves in these triggered moments, super hard to do that. Like all we want to do in those moments is jump in to fixing it, to telling the other person why they're wrong, to explaining our perspective right? Like, like here, let me teach you what it's like to walk in my shoes and how, how to see it through my eyes. And you're never going to get to a place of productive communication from that angle. I like uh, this quote by Brazilian novelist. He wrote The Alchemist. His name is Paulo Coelho. I'm probably butchering how to, uh, how to <laughs> say his name, but, um, but I love that book. I read it years ago. And what he says is the world is changed by your example, not your opinion. So like walk it. Don't just talk it, walk it. And this is especially true for our kids because they like really our lectures fall on deaf ears. That's why it's like Groundhog Day and things just keep repeating itself because they're not listening to our words. They're watching us. And whatever it is that we're modeling, that's what they're picking up on. So when we model how to approach, you know, some sort of conflict, right? Like we're really modeling conflict resolution in these moments. And when we model, hey, I'm going to approach this conversation 
by walking in your shoes and relaying that perspective back to you, which is going to make you feel really seen and valued. Well, that's when the real teaching happens. That's what they, that's when they learn to start considering other people's perspectives. And it doesn't come naturally for kids under the age of 12. There's a real, there's a primal need for why they are, kids are egocentric. And uh, it really goes back to like our cave people days when they weren't safe outside of the cave unless there was an adult around to protect them. So it's almost like they had to have eyes in the back of their heads. Like they only could see the world from their point of view. And so the more we model this perspective taking, the more we are constantly teaching them this skill that they are not born having. And so, okay, so here's a little story. So a few years ago, I was up at the park near our house and I ran into a mom that I sort of knew. She was like an acquaintance and I was with my daughter and she was really like, I think this is a theme, like me being in other people's business. So she was like really stressed out. She had a dog. She had three kids with her and two of the kids were little three-year-old boy-girl twins. And the little, it, it was late. It was like past their bedtime. It was in the evening and um, she seemed super stressed out. So all of a sudden it was like a Calgon moment where the three-year-old little boy fell off his trike and uh, and so I leaned down and tried to help him, tried to help him up, and he he like smacked me, <laughs> and um, and in that moment, my daughter Avery she kind of admonished me, and she was like, "Mom," and when we walked away, I was like, "Whoa, that was awkward," and she's like, "Well, you scared him." And I was like, what are you talking about? He fell off his, his little bike and I was just trying to help him. And she's like, mom, you're a stranger. And he's a little tiny child and you're this big grown up and you're a stranger and you went down to touch him. He doesn't even know you. And I thought that was such a great example of her automatically just coming second nature for her to see his perspective. Like it comes more naturally for her than it does for me. And I have been teaching this stuff for years, but since she was hardwired with this active perspective taking and walking in other people's shoes and not constantly just seeing it from her own narrow perspective, like she could jump into that and kind of lend me that skill in that moment where I wasn't seeing it. So in life, when we're trying to have a productive conversation with our kids or really anyone, it's important to see the other person's perspective before we even begin the conversation, right? So then we're going to begin the conversation from a really clear, healthy place. So think about how you typically start a conversation, especially when there's been some kind of a conflict and you guys like had an argument or somebody's experiencing upset and things came to a head. Like usually what we do is we lawyer up and we try to convince the other person why they should see our perspective, our point of view. And as you guys know, if you really kind of like back out of the situation and look at it, like it never works. So it's the opposite that helps us to communicate productively and to find a peaceful resolution. So when we see other people's perspectives, then they're inclined to see 
our perspective as well. So as we embracing our child's perspective before we attempt to manage a hard moment, that's definitely going to affect our action plan. We might be able to resist asking a bunch of questions or attempting to fix them in that action plan when we approach it by seeing their perspective first. So it's important to consider your child's stage of development and their basic needs, right? Like sleep and nutrition. Because so often we miss the mark and it's really just like a basic need that's causing them to act a certain way. So when they're cranky and they're acting out and we start admonishing them, you will not talk to me like that. And we start telling them how they'll respect us and how they're not allowed to talk to us this, that, and the other way. Well, when you've got a kid that has, you know, that hasn't had enough sleep or hasn't had enough food, like you're just going to be talking in circles. And I don't know if this resonates with you guys, but my hunch is, is that it does. Cause I think we all do it. We all just kind of miss the mark. And it really comes from our old programming because we always have that, you know, that parent or teacher on our shoulder saying like, you will not speak to me that way. And when our kids show up speaking to us in those ways, we, we jump in during that moment and we start admonishing them and it always turns into a power struggle. So let's say that your three-year-old grabs a toy away from their one-year-old sibling. Okay. So the way we would handle it in a perfect world is we're going to see that child's perspective, right? That three-year-old's perspective first by realizing that they saw a toy they wanted and they forgot the words to ask. That way, when we intervene, rather than lecturing about how important it is to share, we're able to teach them and model the behavior we seek. So we would say something like, you wanted a term with the truck and you forgot the words to ask. Give the truck back to your sister and say, may I have a turn or when may I have a turn? And you can always ask mommy for help. So we're just going to model the behavior we seek. We're actually going to teach something in that moment versus lecturing a child that's already showing aggressive behavior in that moment and having that lecture just fall on deaf ears. That's why the behavior just continues and continues and usually becomes more aggressive as it goes on, especially as you admonish the three-year-old and constantly run to the aid of the one-year-old, then you even a lot of times exacerbate the sibling rivalry between the three-year-old and one-year-old accidentally. So with an older child, let's say you have you pick up your child from middle school and they get in the car, at, you know, they get in the car, you're in carpool line, they jump in the car and you start doing what we do as moms, which is you ask them questions about their day like how was your test and whatever. And they answer you in a snarky tone and then just kind of shut down. Now think about how we normally handle that. Normally, we're going to go into a lecture, right? But instead of lecturing, what about, you know, not lecturing about them speaking to us in a disrespectful tone and yada, yada, yada. What if we walk in their shoes first and consider how your child feels, right? She's exhausted after a long day of middle school. I mean, who knows what she endured in the lunchroom, 
I mean, don't we all remember those days? So you're going to read her energy and her mood and realize that a barrage of questions to answer was really not very good timing on your part because she needs you to simply just hold space and put your little, you know, agenda seeking self aside of wanting to find out how her day was. Like, read the energy before you start asking questions because usually these kids, they get into the car after a long day of school and they just need to listen to music. They need some quiet time. And if you have a strong-willed kid, I promise you they are overstimulated from their day and they really need downtime to re-energize. So as adults, we frequently misinterpret our kids' behaviors and we accidentally end up exacerbating the situation. And so we, this causes their behavior to worsen. And then, you, you know, before you know it, you've got a full-blown meltdown or a power struggle on your hands. So we might see the toddler in that example as, uh, you know, we make it mean something totally different than it does. Like he thinks he's running the show. He was the only kid for too long. I've got a future narcissist on my hands. He thinks he can just go and bulldoze through this house, you know, and, you know, kicking everyone out of the way and taking everything that he wants, grabbing whatever he feels like. And so how does it feel when you see it that way? Like, just take a second and how does it feel? And when you see it that way, it's like the justice-seeking mom, especially who wants to advocate for the underdog, the younger sibling, right? It's going to affect your action plan in that moment when you make the grabbing behavior mean all that. So you're going to lecture, you're going to maybe offer a timeout, you're going to have a really angry tone. And meanwhile, what if we just simply make it mean that that three-year-old lives in the present moment? Because that's what three-year-olds do. And he saw a truck he wanted to play with. He wanted to play with the truck. And the emotional centers of his brain are the most developed parts. So what does he do? He grabs aggressively because he wanted it so bad in that moment, he just needed to take it. So that doesn't mean that we're just going to turn a blind eye to that type of behavior. We're going to teach a different type of behavior. Like I said, uh, you know, I, what I said a few minutes before when we go and we tell, oh, you wanted to turn with the truck and you forgot the words to ask. Like we're going to model the behavior that we want our child to have in the future. And so we're going to actually teach them something. But so, so they're not going to just get away, air quotes, with that behavior. But when we make it mean something different, it's going to affect how we think about it. It's going to affect how we act about it. And the way we act is going to be all that old programming that's all about punishment. And we're going to miss the opportunity to actually teach our kids something. So we don't need to make it out to be any more than you wanted to turn and you forgot the words to ask, right? Like it's true. The words that he would have to ask for, that, that lies in the executive centers of your brain. And that's the part of his brain that's not very developed yet. So his feeling of desire, because the emotional centers are so developed, they trump the part that has the kind words that know how to ask for a turn in a civilized way. And so when we use this moment to teach, we help strengthen the neural pathways where those higher thinking skills live right? We actually teach those skills. 
So when we miss the boat on what the behavior means, it's literally the difference between actually teaching your kids something or not. And with your middle schooler that got in the car with the snarky tone, like we can all walk in their shoes. We all remember the hellaciousness of middle school, right? So when you walk in their shoes, is there really any way in that moment with that snarky tone that that mood is about you? Or do you really need to take it, you know, do you need to take it personally and add to the situation of whatever they're going through? The bottom line is, is that childhood is hard enough. So kids are quick to react because their emotional centers of their brain haven't, they're more developed and the higher level parts of their brain, the prefrontal lobe hasn't caught up yet. And so that's why they're so quick to react. So when you choose not to take their behavior personally, to consider their perspective, to show up with empathy by walking in their shoes, you become part of the solution without accidentally adding to the problem and giving them one more thing to worry about. Like, I had a crummy day and now I've got my mom, the light of my life. She's upset with me too. Like, I can't do anything right. And that will just cause them to spiral downward even even more. So, so don't do that. Stop doing that. We want to be their soft place to land. So rather than adding to the problem, we want to communicate productively by walking in their shoes. And we're able to model this in the and really do some teaching when we convey, ah, oh, I get it. Oh, you know. You seem tired. Today was big. Today was hard. There's a lot going on. You got a lot on your plate. And it's going to help them when we walk in their shoes, when they feel seen and understood, they're going to become more confident and resilient. And when you change your harsh words, right, that usually come out in the form of a lecture into a productive conversation, your kid's going to actually learn something and they're going to feel like you're rooting for them. So that is, that is the helpful tool for today. Start to look at things from your child's perspective. Walk in their shoes and then convey that as you describe whatever the situation is. They will feel seen and valued and they will feel like you are truly on their team. So thanks for joining me today. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. At Mastermind Parenting, we believe when your thoughts grow, the conversations in your home flow. And if this sounds like something you want to learn more about, then I have a gift for you. You can grab a copy of my best-selling book, The Parent Gap. It's my signature recipe for raising confident and kind kids, even if you have a strong-willed one. So go to mastermindparenting.com forward slash book to get your free copy mailed directly to your doorstep.